And we are back! Uh, we took a week off. Emily wasn't feeling well last week, and uh, she is medically cleared uh, to go. So my name is Annalise, <laughs> and I am here with the greatest heel of all time and co-holder of the only eight-star match in the history of, of star ratings. That would be Emily the Raven. Come come. I'm a yep. raven, not just for Halloween, but all the time. Yeah, it's one of my favorite tweets from uh, uh, one of the comedian people on Twitter whose name escapes me right now. I think it's Oh No You Twittent, and she's like, I can't wait to get to get dressed up like a witch and go around scaring children. And there she has an imaginary reply of someone says, You must like Halloween. And her response is, What's Halloween? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's a good time. Uh, and we're in kind of a, a weird time, and we're going to do something completely different this week. It might take longer. It might be shorter, but this is going to be something that uh, we're going to try and do what I like to call evergreen content. So we will still talk about what's going on in wrestling, but honestly, there are lots of people covering wrestling news every day. Um. But I want to start with something that's not in the show notes. Uh, we got called out on Twitter as like being stupid because I used our Twitter to say an obvious truth that in about a year, AEW is going to be bigger than uh, WWE is. I really do believe that's true for all the reasons we've already talked about in the last six episodes. Um. And someone decided that it would be a good idea to just, you know, call us stupid. Specifically me, because I was the one who was who was like who was doing it. And I just I, I just said, you know what, come on, this is not even. And the whole point of what I was saying was that in a year, and their whole reply was that Oh, the author deleted the tweet. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, I was trying to find that. Yeah, they they deleted the, the the tweet was this tweet was deleted by the tweet author. Yes, it was because my point was th- their whole point was well WWE makes the most money, and a very nice person came in and says McDonald's makes the most money in the food industry doesn't mean, mean they make a good cheeseburger. <laughs> and my reply to that through our tweet was don't bother you can't teach stupid they think that money is the marker of success and can't fathom the money wwe makes has nothing to do with the product and ignore that all three wwe shows are unwatchable they're all unwatchable you cannot watch raw smackdown and nxt unless you are sean ross sap and you get paid for it because as he says as he says he would rather get paid to watch bad wrestling than do any other job in the world Fair. That's fair. So, I, if someone wanted to pay us to watch bad wrestling, we could do it. Mm-hmm. It would have to be a lot. Yeah. I mean, it would have to be a whole hell of a lot. Because I'm, it's gonna. It, three hours of Raw is pretty insurmountable at this point. I don't think I could watch it. I like that you call it insurmountable. I think yeah. that that's that's apt. I it's just, very true. It, it, so much just bad shit that is being done because their their competition is sleep and movies, and they don't really care about having good wrestling matches. 
Yeah. It shows. It really shows. And just in in a series of months, we went from, uh, you know, we've talked about this before. We're going to keep talking about it again because it would be better for the world as a whole if WWE didn't suck. But it does. But there are still some things about it worth talking about because there's still lots of good people working there who hopefully will one day be in a different company. Or, you know, WWE will be run by somebody else. I'll take either at this point. But let's talk about uh, enough about what we said about about this. This is what Kenny Omega had to say about WWE. He says that they are desperate. And what he's, this was this was uh, published on comicbook.com. Kenny Omega, who recently spoke spoke with Tokyo Sport, uh, called out WWE for being desperate. At the start, there was a huge gap between WWE and AEW. Uh, AEW was just some fledgling promotion, after all. But you have but you have to realize how the tape how the tables have turned. WWE is desperate. They keep bringing back legends every other week. COVID is a terrible thing, and we never wanted it to happen, but it is what it is. That being said, and this is why I included this, because, yeah, it's very clear that Raw and SmackDown are super desperate, and that the whole NXT relaunch 2.0 is an act of desperation. But Omega went on to say he would like to set up a dream match between himself and Roman Reigns to crown, quote, the real world champion. He says... There's been quite a few WWE stars already here in particular. I don't really have anyone. Besides, I'm not lacking for opponents. But like I said, I don't exactly have anyone in mind. If I must say, I'd love to go against Roman Reigns. It would be a great opportunity to show who's the real world champion. Okay, I've been wanting this match for a year. (laughs) I cannot say that I... I want that match or I would even be able to bring myself to watch it, but I know, but you haven't seen Roman since SummerSlam last year where he is a completely different person. Well, and it's probably a different in-ring performer. Sorry. (laughs) Go ahead. I I think it's probably been longer than that since I last seen him because I haven't been watching it for for so long that oh before um, that he was still suffering succotash baby face but since he came well, back and then he left i think i stopped watching it around when he left to go get cancer treatment no i you think were still, you were still watching it that that um wrestlemania because AEW hadn't started and we we tweet we live tweeted that WrestleMania because that okay. was that was the same WrestleMania that uh, Kofi Kingston beat Daniel Bryan and the women main evented. Oh, okay, okay. So I'm misremembering this. I didn't think he. Okay, I guess I just yeah. block Roman Reigns out of like. Every... And in all fairness, Roman Reigns post Shield breakup to 2020 should be blocked out because it was terrible. <laughs> Roman Reigns, since he came back from refusing to work during COVID, because again, he has leukemias in remission, he's possibly immunocompromised, and he wanted to wait until it was safe for him to work for all the good reasons in the world. When he came back, he came back as a heel with Paul, with, with Paul Heyman as his special counsel, 
and he slowly roped his cousins, the Usos, into this into this bloodline faction that it, where he's calling himself the head of the table, and he is the most understated and yet at the same time over the top villain. And everything about it is great. And I really, really, I, I've always wanted the New Day versus the Elite, especially since they did that um, Street Street Fighter uh, thing. Yes. That yes, actually yes, got promoted yes. on WWE's website. But that was when they thought they had a chance of signing the Elite. And they did. They almost, they, they almost did. I mean, there's a universe out there where Tony Khan doesn't start a new promotion. And Kenny, Kenny Omega... Uh, Adam Page, Cody Rhodes, and the Young Bucks all signed with WWE. Oh, oh, I'm glad I don't live in that universe. Yeah. There's also a version of of that universe where Triple H is the booker for main roster WWE. That might be it. That would probably be fine. Yeah. (laughs) And and WWE is just seven hours a week of NXT. Of NXT from from 2015 to 2017. You know, the golden age of NXT. What a universe! Amazing, isn't, isn't it? Though, <laughs> so that would be just that would just be the best universe ever, and I I kind of want to be there. But Roman Reigns, <laughs> since he's come back as a heel in 2020, has been the best thing on TV, and I hated Roman as much as you did. Yeah, you know, now that you describe this to me, and the Paul Heyman angle is in there, I I could I could see it. It makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense to me now. I, and, you know, and he's gone from just ooing his his spear to using the guillotine choke as his main finisher. Hmm. So he's doing this really devastating looking, albeit very safe chokehold to just tap people out, and it's just, it's it's such a good heel finisher because it looks like it hurts like hell. It looks damn near inescapable for as big as his arms are when he locks somebody into mm. it. And it just, he, he, just the selling he does for, for his matches. He's had some real banger matches uh, that are definitely worthwhile and definitely worth checking out. The most recent one against Finn Balor was amazing until Vince decided God broke the top rope to stop the demon. Literally, that seems to be what happened. <sighs> wonderful match and then they just kind of shat all over it um because that's what vince does yeah yeah it's pretty terrible but kenny omega wants to fight roman reigns and i'm there for it and again i want the forbidden door kicked down i want i want a universe where the Jim Crockett Cup is the best tag teams from every federation show up and sit down and say, how can we book the most amazing round robin and then elimination championship tournament? Yeah, that would be really cool. That's that I I want that to happen because even though WWE doesn't like tag team wrestling, there are still some good tag teams there, even though they broke a lot of them up. Yeah. <sighs> But you could have the New Day, the Usos. You could put Sheamus and Cesaro back together as the bar, who were a fantastic tag team. And you could yes. have actually a cross federation tag team because you have you could have the Hardys reunite for the Jim Crockett Cup. Oh yeah. And then you could have all of the 
you could have Santana and Ortiz, you could have the Lucha Brothers, you could have the Young Bucks, you could have FTR, Butcher and the Blade, you could have uh, Lost in, Go- in-, in Gobanables, Japan, you could have yes. uh, factions, you could, you could have the Gorillas of Destiny, you could have whoever is running the tag team division in in uh, in um, Ring of Honor and Impact, which I've always had good tag team wrestling. There's just so much real good shit you could do if Vince wasn't ruining wrestling for us all. So Kenny Omega wants it. I want it. I think I might have turned you around to it. I I now that I know where where his character is, I can I could see it. So yeah. So yeah, I I want it. I but then again, I've wanted John Cena versus Kazuchika Okada program between WrestleMania and, and um I'm blanking on the Tokyo Dome show. What the hell is wrong with me today? New Japan, Tokyo Dome show, January oh, 4th of Wrestle the year. Wrestle Kingdom? Wrestle Kingdom. Jesus. My brain is just gone. 85 hours a week of work will do that to you. But That's I've always funny. thought that I've always I thought that in 2016 when when Cena was still the top guy in WWE and Okada was the top guy in New Japan and WWE and New Japan were kind of cool. Yeah. They could have done this because for all the flack Cena gets is that he actually can wrestle a good match and he and Okada would have had great chemistry as like the top in each promotion. And they never did it. They never did it. Cuz Vince doesn't like to work with other people. Cuz Vince sucks. Hi, the ethos of this podcast is Vince McMahon is bad at his job. <laughs> let's talk about let's, let's talk about other things Vince had his hand in. Um, and then we'll get to something more cool. Um, so there's a new movie on Netflix. And I just showed you the trailer for it. And it's called Escape the Undertaker. You just saw this trailer before we started recording. That's true. What do you think? I think it's probably a fun movie if you're a little kid. (laughs) Um, Special effects looked good. It's a choose-your-own-adventure movie. It's an interactive film. Yeah, that is interesting. I haven't done any of those. I know there, I think there were some other ones on Netflix. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I know. It's I, just, would, it's... I wouldn't watch it. Let's just say that. It's like, okay, if I was judging this as a piece of art, <laughs> I would say this is terrible. <laughs> But as entertainment for younger wrestling fans, probably probably fun to watch. <laughs> I guess. I mean. Well, here's the thing. It's only 31 minutes. Oh, wow. That's really short. Yeah. It stars The Undertaker and The New Day as The New Day try to claim the power of the urn. Which I don't really understand them wanting the urn, but... Well, they said it in the trailer. We want to combine the urn, the power of the urn, with the power of positivity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you know, movies should show, not tell. <laughs> yes. Yes. This is what happens when, when, when wrestling is reviewed by, liter- by literature uh, scholars. <laughs> I took some film criticism, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. I just. Yeah. I don't know if I have half an hour to spare on this. There's so much anime to watch. There's there's so much wrestling to watch that if you're watching this and you're not watching other things, why? Yeah, especially with how short it is, too. I I I guess maybe I could find some time to watch this, but I I think I'd rather watch other things. I think that there's other things my time is better spent on. So I, I promise you, I will not be watching it. <laughs> I I might watch it if 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 I get possessed enough to drink enough, and I don't think that's ever going to happen because you know me, I'm not one for getting drunk. But if I was drunk or high, maybe. I don't know. Doubt it. <laughs> Doesn't seem <laughs> worth it. Just doesn't seem worth it. No. Um, let's talk about progressive things in wrestling. And you can hear the sarcasm in my tone. Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia is going to have a triple threat match between Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks, and Bianca Belair. Okay. Nice that they're going to let the women wrestle. Yeah, but, but the fact that the fact that you have to phrase it that way because that's accurate is a mm-hmm. huge problem. Yeah. And you know what? There there are all these people who say, well, they should they should go to Saudi Arabia because it's helping establish cultural change. And that and it was under that auspices that I watched the greatest Royal Rumble, which you by the way did not, and you were right and I was wrong. Um because it's not <laughs> helping change, it's part of a Saudi propaganda campaign. This whole thing is part of a Saudi propaganda campaign that also involved that also involved kind of looking the other way over the uh, over the Saudis murdering Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Yeah. So I'm glad that there's this stage that three of the best female wrestlers in the world are going to be on, and it's going to actually be kind of momentous and important however the wwe deal with saudi arabia is one of the reasons why you probably shouldn't watch wwe exactly do you have any thoughts about this other than um stop doing business with with women oppressing dictators no that about sums it up (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah. Aside, aside from the many other human rights violations that you know occur there, and yeah, but it's part and parcel with uh, WWE and how they do business, you know, mm-hmm. and they're they're they have a really abusive, toxic company culture, so it doesn't surprise me that. They would just go for some Saudi money over, 
you know, a different show that they could do or a way that they could actually promote women's wrestling. Yeah. Which gets us to the next topic. NXT 2.0 is fucking unwatchable still. <laughs> I'm sorry I laugh so much at these. I've just. No, no. Here's, here's why I'm bringing it up. NXT, one of the ethos of, of NXT was about women's wrestling. Hmm. So much of what made NXT great was that's where Paige came from. That's where the four, four horsemen came from. That's where that's where Asuka got her start over here in the States. And just a few months ago, one of the best women's matches of the year was Io Shirai versus Raquel Gonzalez at TakeOver Stand and Deliver, which was exactly what a takeover was supposed to be and a takeover match was supposed to be and it was awesome and it was amazing and now despite having all of the talent and still having one of the best women's divisions i don't think they have the best anymore because they're not going to use it right and that whole thing is kind of this is NXT and AEW moving in opposite directions. Before, before AEW launched, when NXT was an hour on Wednesday nights, it was appointment viewing. I watched it live almost every Wednesday because it was so good. Mm-hmm. When they decided to go head-to-head against AEW and move it onto the USA Network, which partly was to make USA... Um, make up with USA over uh, letting Fox have SmackDown. The show was still good until the pandemic hit, but two hours, they don't really have the talent that's camera ready for it because it's still developmental. And they did the best they could with it, and it was still very good and fine, but just... Pandemic wasn't very good at NXT. And this new 2.0 is just absolutely unwatchable, absolutely terrible, and just not worth it. The, the kind of unicorn vomit color scheme they've come up with. Um, and it used to be metal and gritty and awesome. And now it is pop culture and references and Vince McMahon wants to, wants to think that he knows what's hip and what's worse is Kevin Dunn thinks he knows what's hip. And it's just the women's division is now an afterthought. Whereas before it was the main feature or one of the main features. I, I can't wait for Vince to go down there and break up all the tag teams. Mm. Because you know he's going to do it. Just, ugh. oh, look at these Imperium people. Let's break them up. Look at these grizzled young vets who are one of the best tag teams in the world. That's a tag team that needs to be in the Crockett Cup. Let's break them up. Let's go over to NXT UK and break up those tag teams too. Let's just break up every tag team because Vince McMahon hates tag team wrestling. It's depressing. It just it it's really sad. It's really really sucks to watch it go. 
but AEW is still awesome. Let's talk a little bit about some of the some of the high spots in AEW. Uh, Adam Page is back. Yes, so excited. That was awesome. That was a great match on Wednesday night. I haven't watched the whole thing. I've just watched the highlights and clips on YouTube. But uh, that was a match that just never stopped going. And everyone looked like a million bucks. And I I look at Orange Cassidy and I question him in a ladder match. And now I don't, I don't question Orange Cassidy in a ladder match. Slugging it out with John Moxley on a ladder. <laughs> just like... Sometimes you get so absorbed into the into the into the whatever gimmick that you forget that when the chips are down, he throws he throws punches for real. And standing on a ladder, punching John Moxley, just like. And while it's great that Page won it because it does set up the story they've been building for over a year and a half now, with the with the eventual blow up between Kenny Omega and Adam Page. Yes. Kind of wanted Orange Cassidy to win. <laughs> hmm. What stood out to you recently about AEW? What's been something just let's talk about awesome shit before we do more complaining. <laughs> yeah, so I was really into uh, Serena Deeb and Hikaru Shida on Dynamite this Wednesday night. And it was a really great match. The Shida trying to get to 50 wins. It was a cool angle for the story to take. So that's something that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And I don't really have a particular standout, but I have been watching uh Dark Elevation and Dark. Uh, I had a little more time this week and watched watched them and really enjoyed both of those. So, yeah, I mean, just another good, enjoyable week of wrestling from AEW. Yep. I would like to just bring in something about AEW. The AEW is so great that someone who hates AEW is liking it. Who is that? Jim Cornette. Oh no! Like both the <laughs> Kent, like both the Omega Danielson match, and the Danielson Nick Jackson match, oh. and gave them positive reviews. Now, of course, he said his whole his whole thing about that was Brian Danielson carried both matches. I don't think that's true. I wow. think that's total bullshit. Wow! And yeah. Whatever. He has a really low opinion of, of Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, and we're not going to dignify that with some of the insulting shit that he has. But the fact that AEW is able to put on matches that are even making the guy who's been poo-pooing AEW from day one, the most prominent voice with his prominent cult of assholes, to turn around and say, yeah, this was, a, this was an amazing match. This was, this was everything. And just to talk about to talk glowingly about Nick's jet, Nick Jackson's selling and his psychology. And I listened to the whole review. Cause I was just, I was just curious. Like I, I can't stop poking to see what this asshole thinks because I kind of want, I, I kind of go into it hoping he's going to hate it so I can mock him for his bad opinion. But apparently, <laughs> apparently 
even curmudgeonly old white men who think wrestling has to be a certain way can be won over. And that's how good AEW is that Jim Cornette was giving it glowing reviews on his podcasts. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So that's that's what's going on in the world of wrestling with us just kind of moving around this, the system. And uh, we'll do a little bit of this here and there. But the next two things are things that they're, they're going to be more of what this show is going to be about going forward. Uh, the first one is just a quick spotlight I want to do. Uh, because it just hurts me so much that um, NXT 2.0 is as bad as... No, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. It's worse. It's worse. It's so much worse. So, mercifully, as he frequently does, Adam Blompied of WrestleTalk and Parts Unknown and No Rolls Barred, three channels you definitely should go watch, uh, decided to rebook... NXT 2.0. Now, a part of that rebooking was also stating he didn't think NXT needed to be rebooked. What what NXT was, was great. What NXT was, was the most consistent wrestling programming from about 2014 to about 2020 and just wonderful all the time. It didn't need to be fixed. But if it had to be fixed, if it had to be changed, if it had to evolve into something else, here's the right way to do it. And if you are not familiar with Parts of Unknown, if you're not familiar with WrestleTalk, and if you're not familiar with the work they do over there, they do some really fantastic wrestling commentary and analysis. And on Parts of Unknown in particular, they do a lot of really cool kind of video essays. Um that is evergreen content, including uh, Lori Blake doing a whole explain series in which uh, one of which he talked about the history of the business. Another one he talked about um, really kind of diving into uh, the whole, the series of references uh, mythological and religious that, that uh, Alistair now Malachi black was making uh, definitely must watch uh, stuff. And we've talked about that one before, but, if you are like me, depressed about NXT 2.0 being worse than it was supposed to be, please go give uh, 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 Parts Unknown's Adam Blompier's rebooking NXT 2.0 uh, a watch. You'll feel a little bit better. And then when the video is over, you'll remember that isn't what happened. And we're still living in this world where Vince thought NXT needed Brandon. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. All right. And now for something completely different. All all apologies to Monty Python. <laughs> so, our main bit for this week, the main thing we're going to talk about, is a new segment that we're going to be doing. Uh, we the, we first debuted a segment uh, that was a main bit when we did our whole profile on Orange Cassidy and how amazing he is. This segment is tentatively called Anne and Emily Tell Uncle Dave Why He's Wrong About a Match. (laughs) The whole premise of this segment is that Dave Meltzer, ever since about 2015, has been giving out five-star matches left, right, and center. Basically, if you're in the Tokyo Dome and you look at another wrestler, you get a five-star match. That's not entirely fair, 
but that's before, not fair at all. <laughs> but before twenty, before twenty fifteen, five star matches were quite rare for Dave Meltzer. After twenty fifteen, they've exploded with lots of five star matches, six star matches, and even the seven star match between Omega and Okada, which was their fourth match in a series that was six stars, six point two five stars, six stars, and seven stars, like the highest rated series of matches ever. And again. It's one man's opinion, but Dave Meltzer is someone whose opinion who matters because he has studied and cared about and really talked about professional wrestling seriously for four decades. And so even though you don't even even though his star rating is just his thing, it's his opinion, and he makes that very clear when he makes it, a lot of people take the star ratings very seriously. And we decided to have some fun with them. So we're going to talk about on this segment, and we'll do this again in, in a couple of episodes, depending on how we like doing it. We're going to talk about two matches that Dave Meltzer didn't give five stars that he should have given five stars to. And we're going to start with the most recent one, which is Emily's pick to talk about. Emily, why don't you talk about this match? Yeah, so, okay, I want to preface this by saying that I do really, really admire and respect and love Dave Meltzer. So, same, same. <laughs> so, Dave, if you ever listen I, to this, our tongues are firmly planted in our cheeks. <laughs> that said, it, you know, the nature of media and discourse is to argue. <laughs> so, uh, I think for me, so, I just want to give a little bit of context. It's frustrating to me, even though this is clearly stated to be Meltzer's opinion, that he doesn't have some kind of like strict established rubric that he uses. And this is probably the writing teacher in me coming out <laughs> uh, because it, it just... It seems unfair that something like this is going to be weighted so heavily in public opinion and amongst wrestlers themselves and not have some kind of standardization <laughs> so that you could at least know what you were going for when you are trying to wrestle a five-star match. So I just want to state that if if I had this ranking system, it would have a very well-designed rubric that would hopefully encourage people to excel and produce five-star matches because it would clearly state the criteria for that level of wrestling. <laughs> okay, so off of my academic soapbox there. The match that I want to pick for this is the... Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker, unsanctioned, lights out match that was so incredibly brutal and amazing and absolutely deserved a five-star rating. And yet, and yet it got a 4.75. So now, you're going you're gonna to fight Dave Meltzer over a quarter of a star. Oh, absolutely. 
Okay, go for it. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's a big difference between a five-star match and a 4.75-star match. Yes, there's a 0.25 difference. No. <laughs> no. You know what I'm talking about. Go for it. Um, emotionally, in in the in the scope of the culture, in the way that wrestlers, you know, evaluate themselves personally and then also against each other. It's a big difference. A Meltzer five star is completely different than a Meltzer four point seven five star match. And to me, him giving it that rating is offensive and a cop out to avoid giving a women's match five stars. Because if you look at his rating system, the number of women that get five-star matches is extremely low. Mm-hmm. And there's objectively no reason for that. And this match is a pinnacle excellent example of that. Because here's here's what I want to say. There's no rubric, which frustrates me. But if you look at other five-star matches recently, one that stands out as being similar in spirit and execution mm-hmm. not in the spirit of of uh this type of match is the best friends chuck taylor and trent going against santana ortiz and you know a, a similar build-up of a story but arguably i would say Britt baker and thunder rosa have had a much stronger build up and reason to be fighting each other and that story was was told really expertly by both of them in promos and you know while while thunder rosa would be fighting and burt baker would show up etc right so if if best friends and santana ortiz can get a five-star rating for their match I don't understand why Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa would not also have five stars. And I would say was objectively better executed overall. Although I, it is hard for me to say that because that, that match with uh, best friends and Santana Ortiz was really, really good. But I think that the Britt Baker Thunder Rosa match just, took it so much farther and the links that they went to to try to destroy each other and the just incredible selling and emotion um yeah there's no way that wasn't a five-star match that was a match of the year uh contender easily and i would say it would be as you know Right now, it's hard for me to say which one I would pick, but that, but, but Britt and Thunder Rosa, and then the Young Bucks versus Lucha Brothers, and then this most recent Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega are all tied in my mind for match of the year. And so, yes, that. <laughs> <laughs> that is overall my argument for why this doesn't make sense that it isn't a five-star match well here's here's what i have to say in 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 defense kind of devil's advocate uh for this but first thing i will say is that i think you're wrong about your ranking here 
because I think this was clearly better than Danielson Omega and Omega and clearly better than Young Bucks versus Lucha Brothers. And I love both those matches. Yeah. If I think this I I I think that this wasn't a five star match. I think this was a five and a half star match. And here's why I say that. Um I do I do agree with the uh you brought up the best friends versus Santana Ortiz. Uh that match is widely regarded as the only good version of a parking lot brawl match. Yeah. Cuz they they managed to do it correctly. Here's why I say it's a 5.5 match. At NXT TakeOver 36, Meltzer gave Ilya Dragunov versus Walter five and, and, and a quarter stars this year. That match deserved the five and a quarter stars, absolutely. It is both matches that Dragunov and Walter have had are definitely worth seeking out and watching. Uh, the, the Walter Dragunov match from last year was one of the real highlights of no fans wrestling because holy cow did those chops just ring throughout an empty arena and just make you very very scared that walter was slowly breaking Ilya Dragunov in half mm. this match was better than that this match was <clears throat> the best hardcore match i have ever seen all due respects to terry funk and mick foley yeah this match was a five and a half star match. This match is on par, uh, yes, with Abushi Omega. It's on par with Gargano, Adam Cole, two out of three falls match, NXT Take of New York 2019. That was the WrestleMania match, that the highest rated WWE match that Dave Meltzer has given in a very long time. This match is just so fucking good. Now, I will also push back just a little bit on Meltzer and women's matches not getting five stars. He has a history of giving women's matches five stars when he sees them and when they were part of All Japan Women's Wrestling. Yes. A- a- AJW. As we talked about, Manami Toyota has the ninth most five-star matches out of anyone uh, ever. And there's a ton of five-star matches from the early nineties, because I think that, I think that part of what, what affects Meltzer's ratings is what does he get to see? Cause it's almost impossible to watch everything. So I don't think he's watching enough stardom. I don't think he's ever watched enough shimmer. And I don't think that most of the major places that he is watching, cause Look at where all of his where all of his ratings are are the highest. New Japan doesn't have a women's division. Yeah. Ring of Honor has barely ever had a women's division. WWE still can't manage to make its women's division good, um, despite having a lot of the best women's wrestlers in the world. Uh, Impact has been up and down, but I don't know why Gail Kim versus Awesome Kong isn't on his list of five star matches. So. He does he does give women's matches five stars when he sees them. But basically for a very long time there wasn't a lot of actual women's wrestling because sexism. Short answer. Really is the answer. 
So I think that this is a five and a half star match. I don't think it's a six star match. I don't think it's on because his his criteria, and so he does have a bit of a rubric. His criteria, as he said before, is a five star match is a match of the year candidate. A six star match is an all time greatest match candidate. And that when he gave Omega uh, Okada at Dominion uh, in 2018 seven stars, he said that was because he didn't think he'd ever see a better match than that. He thought that was the best match he's ever seen, he'll, and he thinks he'll never see a better match than that. So it's not a great rubric. Uh, I, I'm, I don't know if I would call it a rubric. <laughs> Well, I'm also someone who hates rubrics, so. Well, I think they're very important. You know, okay, so I didn't know we could go above five stars. I mean, I know we, he ha- I know he has occasionally, but I mm-hmm. thought we were we were just doing. Oh no, we can five. do whatever we want. We can do whatever we want. But I'm so I I think you're right. This deserves at least five stars. I think it goes even further. Would you say this is a five and a half star match? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, yeah definitely. I mean. I would not say on that criteria it's a six-star match, but I would definitely say five and a half stars. Yes. If we're, if we're go- if we're, I don't think it's the greatest match of all time. I don't think the match I'm going to talk about is the greatest match of all time. I don't think that... That's, and again, the, the, um, the six-star matches, just to be clear, uh, 1989, Steamboat Flair. Uh, 1994, Miss, uh, Misawa uh, Kawada. Mm. Um, 2017 Okada Omega, 2017 Okada Omega, 2020 Page Omega versus the Young Bucks. Um, 2021 Osprey versus Takage, and then six and a half star or six and a quarter stars. Uh, 2017 Okada Omega, and then seven stars. Uh, 2018 Okada Omega. So clearly, the magic the magic formula is be Kenny Omega and Kazuchika Okada having a match, <laughs> um, which I don't disagree with. Those are amazing matches, every single one of them. And for anyone who's like, "Well, what is, Steamboat Flair is old," go back and watch Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair in their fucking prime and shut up. So that's my argument there. And then just outside of that is the match we were talking about a little bit before, which is. Uh, Lucha Brothers versus the Young Bucks um, at this year's All Out. And I think that match at 5.75 is overrated. I think that should be a five and a half star match, personally. Because I think this match is as good or better than it. So I think yeah. you picked a great one. And yeah. if I was giving out a, a match of the year award, it would definitely at this point already go to Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker because it was just great. I like it. Give it, give it, give it to him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Dave, Dave, change your ratings. I'm sorry we're treating you like we're on a first name basis with you. We're really not. You have no idea who we are. <laughs> oh, but nice. I want to talk about the second of a two match series, both of which should be exactly five stars. Neither of these should be five and a half star matches, but they should have been in the conversation of match of the year. 
And this is 2015, the height of the women's revolution slash evolution in WWE, which was, of course, happening at NXT. Now, the obvious uh, answer for most people is TakeOver Brooklyn. And to be fair, I like TakeOver Brooklyn more than what I'm about to talk about. But Dave Meltzer, if you want to talk about slights, Dave Meltzer gave Bailey versus Sasha Iron Woman match at TakeOver Respect for an one-quarter star. It's robbery. It is robbery because this is one of the best heel performances and under fighting from a baby face you will ever see. Even after Bailey won at TakeOver Brooklyn, she was still considered the underdog to Sasha Banks. It wasn't a fluke that she had won. She didn't get lucky. She caught Sasha Banks on the right day at the right time. And it was a great match. That match also didn't get five stars. We'll talk about that maybe some other day. But it was rated higher than this match. And again, for good reason. There was more emotion. The crowd in the Barclays Center was just red hot for Banks and Bailey won. And this was in the um, it, this was at full sale in front of only a couple hundred people as opposed to ten thousand people at the Barclays Center. And so it had a very different feel, but I think that the the intimate feel of it was actually a benefit to it. So to take you back through this match, Sasha Banks is is up on the main roster now because she and Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch all got called up, and so Bailey is the lone horsewoman down in NXT. Sasha invokes her rematch to come down and get her title back because she thinks that she should have it. And the whole the whole pap- the whole pay-per-view, the whole takeover is framed around respect. That Bailey has Sasha's respect now that she didn't have before, but Sasha still wants her title. And so we get for the first time in history a woman's Iron Woman match. Now, do not believe WWE when they say that Sasha versus Charlotte on pay-per-view two years later was the first women's Iron Woman match. It wasn't. It wasn't at all. This one was first. And it is a an, an amazing performance. First of all, one of the things that WWE does still a lot better than a lot of other people, and go back and watch a bunch of the of the really great video packages, is the package they put together for both for, for both Brooklyn and for Takeover respect to really kind of lead you into the match. Sasha comes in. She is so heelish. She is she is so nasty in everything that she is doing and everything that she is thinking and saying and the way that she is behaving. She is absolutely just kind of carrying herself bad, cheap to win heel. Bailey comes out to the most white meat babyface open intro of anyone other than Sami Zayn's uh, um, um, intro music at the same time in NXT, and is hugging people, slapping wristbands on people, being my favorite version of Bailey. Although I love I love heel Bailey right now, I really do. Um, and they go for thirty minutes. And it never slows down. The match has five falls, which started 
with Sasha Banks rolling Bailey up with the schoolgirl. Then Bailey gets her finisher for the second fall, which pisses Sasha off because Sasha was planning just to not lose a single fall. And so Sasha drags Bailey out of the ring and throws her into the LED board, walks back to the ring, and as she does, Bailey has a super fan named Izzy. Sasha grabs the bow off Izzy's head, the Bailey bow off of Izzy's head, puts it on her own head, and mocks Bailey and her fan in the ring and makes a child cry. At that point, her heat is nuclear. The audience wants Sasha Banks dead. And she's about to take a second countout win when Bailey gets back in and manages to pin Sasha with Arana, which leaves us at 2-2, two falls apiece. Both Sasha's falls have been cheap. Both of Bailey's falls have been legitimate. And then the final fall, you want to talk about brutal. You want to talk about when they probably weren't, wouldn't have been allowed to do this on the main roster in 2015. Bailey locks Sasha into a scissored arm bar, and as Sasha is trying to get to the ropes, Bailey takes her boot and slams it down on Sasha's hand and head and just keeps kicking her until she submits. The baby face, all three falls, are legit falls. The heel, both falls feel like she cheated, because she kind of did. <laughs> and the emotion of the whole crowd and the way in which this, this building just kind of wells up with anger and indignation towards Sasha. And then just everything that happens with it is just the perfect culmination. And the other reason why it should be a five-star match is because it's the first WWE pay-per-view. I know takeovers aren't technically pay-per-views that was main evented by women. And they knocked it out of the park. To give this four and a quarter stars is to miss the point, Uncle Dave. This was a five-star match. This was a match of the year candidate. Absolutely. And that was such a brilliant recap of it because I remember every second of that match and that, you know, Sasha, when Sasha went over to Izzy, I just remember losing my mind because I thought, what, you know, what is she going to do? What could she possibly do? This is a little kid. She's not going to do anything. And and then she just, oh my gosh, it just, it, I still, I still feel like, uh, just a clinch, like in the, in the middle of my gut, like, oh, Izzy, why? When she throws the bow back at Izzy (laughs) though, and just the crowd wants her so dead. Yes. The crowd wants to kill her. Sasha Banks is in, this is, this is old school territory bullshit where where Sasha where if Sasha had had pulled heel shit like this in in mid south then she'd have to be police escorted out of the building 
And Sasha Banks would fit in perfectly as a heel in any federation and any timeline. She could be your top heel. And she can also be your top babyface. She's she's much, much better as a heel. She's so good. She's so good as a heel. And Bailey as a babyface is just the easiest thing to cheer for. Bailey and Sami Zayn as babyfaces are just the best things to cheer for, which makes it kind of sad that both of them are heels right now in SmackDown. Yeah. Well, I I think that re-rating this one is is absolutely necessary. Yeah, I think the four I think the almost four stars that it gets is just kind of a little ridiculous. I think yeah. that it, it really missed the point. Not to mention this was a fantastic a fantastic uh takeover. It started off with uh Finn Balor and Samojo versus uh um, the revival before they were called the revival in the uh, semifinal match for the Dusty Road ta- Dusty Roads Tag Team Classic, uh, Baron Corbin and Rhino versus American Alpha, Asuka in her debut match on a takeover against Dana Brooke, where she just squashed Dana Brooke like nobody's business, and just like the 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 Empress has arrived, everyone is on notice. Apollo Crews versus Tyler Breeze. Talk about two people WWE criminally underutilized on the main roster. Yeah. Finn Balor and Samoa Joe defeat Baron Corbin and Rhino in the finals of the Dusty Tag Team Classic. And then Bailey versus Sasha Banks 30-minute Iron Woman match. This is this is a show where almost as much time was given to women's matches between Bailey and Sasha and Oscar versus Dana Brooke, as was given to the entire men's card. And again, that is fucking rare. And just everything. And there's some person who's going to be like, Ugh, they're only talking about women's wrestling. It's like, <laughs> they, they, they want the women to get special treatment. No, we would like equal treatment, please. Is, is, is there a better athlete in pro wrestling than Charlotte Flair? I don't think there is. Is there a better heel performer in pro wrestling than Sasha Banks? I don't think there is, although Britt Baker's getting close. Is there a better heel moment than Sasha Banks grabbing the bow, mocking Izzy, crying, and throwing the bow back at the child? <laughs> yeah, that's one of the greatest moments it's, in heel, heel wrestling. It's so good. Everything is so good. It it completely immerses you. You're so lost in your moment. And it was genuine. No one knew Sasha was going to do that. Izzy's family didn't know she was going to do that. That was not approved. Sasha just in the moment said, yoink. I'm going to get some heat. I'm going <laughs> to get some heat. I'm I'm going I'm going I'm going to revel in my heat. And then the way the match was structured, the way they structured the falls, and the fifth fall coming, not in stupid overtime. Thank you very much. I've had enough of that trope in Iron Man matches, Iron Women matches. But coming with three seconds to spare, Sasha taps out and Bailey wins. Just, uh, this match was five stars. This match deserved five stars. And it was disres- disrespectful to not give it five stars. So that was our whole new segment on. Uh, Ann and Emily tell Uncle Dave why he's wrong about a match. 
<laughs> there's a lot of matches we can talk about because there's a lot of matches that in this in this environment where I really do think that one of the great things about Meltzer's ratings is it really kind of shows the improvement of wrestling because the five-star matches really pick up around 2016, 2017, and it just goes nuts. And there's so much good shit that just kept happening over and over and over and over and over and over and over again that it's really worth looking at the things that just missed. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of matches that we'll talk about. And we'll, we've got this whole list because there's a, there's, a, there's a whole database of Meltzer's five-star matches on the Internet Wrestling Database um, where you can see all the matches that have ever been given five stars. Like the earliest five-star match recorded here. Oh, it isn't actually there. So, anyhow, <laughs> it's just, it, it, it's good stuff. It's, it's, worth, it's worth your time to check, check some stuff out and think about it. Because Meltzer's opinion does matter. Even though people like to pretend sometimes it doesn't, or people like to like dismeltzer, because sometimes he does say stupid shit. Yeah. Sometimes he is an old man. But he is one of the most knowledgeable people in wrestling journalism. And it's kind of funny to me every time someone's like, uh, Meltzer's so dumb. Uh, Meltzer's such an idiot. Uh, who would listen to Dave Meltzer? got a track record of like having really good opinions so shut up what's your track record you have 300 followers on twitter okay <laughs> so what you know and again he's he's like one of the most generous people with his time and his information like he will reply to regular people who ask good questions on twitter so uncle dave we think you're great we disagree with you on these two matches. We're going to disagree with you on some more for our own podcast content. And we don't expect that you'll ever hear this. <laughs> but if you do, you know, you could, you could find us online and, you know, talk to us about what you're thinking about. Cause we'd love to hear from you. I doubt you're ever going to. So <laughs> that's fine. We do this for fun. We do this so I can have so so we can have an appointment to talk to each other since we haven't seen each other in over a fucking decade. <sighs> and we gotta schedule an episode of this show so Dustin can be on. Yes. All right. This was a fun show. We'll do more stuff like this. We'll have another. We're gonna de- we're gonna debut another new segment next week. I'm gonna talk to Emily about it um later in the week because right now I'm tired. And I got two podcast episode, uh, two podcast episodes to edit tomorrow morning, and another podcast to do. So let's close the show. You can find the show at Ann Emily Pod on Twitter. I'm sorry about the name still, but it, we're just going to keep it. You can email us at a and e wrestling pod at gmail dot com. You can find Emily at eight bit Emily. That's eight the number b i t e m i l y on Twitter. Emily, what are you doing on Twitter these days? Oh boy, I've been busy at work, so I I have no idea what that's like. I just I, I just <laughs> what the hell is that? Cat photos mostly this week. Mm-hmm. So if you want some some quality cat content, head on over. It is high quality cat content. Your cats are pretty quality. <laughs> we 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 love your cat content in this house. Yay. 
All right. You can find me at Anne underscore Elise. That's Anne with an E. I'm not doing a lot on Twitter because I'm also busy this week. But you can listen to all the other shows in our fledgling network that will be named and have a website when I have time again. Uh, tomorrow night, we'll be recording another episode of Q for Fun, which is a Heroes of the Storm podcast, all about how to have fun in the game. It's a community show. And on Saturday, we'll be recording, or Sunday, excuse me, we'll be recording episode three of the Anime Sweater podcast, at, and a show at some point Emily is definitely going to guest on. More than once, probably. <laughs> Because there's <laughs> lots of Japanese cartoons for us to talk about. Um, and I host I host uh, Q for Fun with Royalite, with Wicked Kitten, and with Sofer Shea. And you can find us over at the Q for Fun, at, at Q for Fun on Twitter. You can find Anime Sweater over at Anime Sweater Pod on Twitter. And we would love it if you listen to our content and let us know what you think. We're just doing this for fun. We're not monetized. We're not trying to make money off of this. We're not trying to make a living off of this. We just want to have a good time and talk about shit that we love. Yeah. So, there. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> <laughs> I got some AEW to watch this week. Um, it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a good time enjoying the wrestling. Uh, hope for things to get better. Hope for WWE to turn around because when everyone's doing well, everyone does better. So, froze down as I am on WWE right now, I don't actually wish them ill because they're the biggest company in the world and they should be better. So stop doing business with, with uh, Saudi Arabia. Please. Yeah, stop. Stop being evil. Don't be evil. All right, Emily, do you have a tagline for this week? My tagline this week is Stay cool, stay in school. <laughs> well, then, without further ado, good night. Good luck.